humans, gentle ladies, lad men, ladies and gentlemen, dreamers and dreams alike, and welcome to the Devolver Digital Forecast here at forecast.devolverdigital.com. Hi, I'm your co-host JM. And I am Jared. And he is Jared. <laughs> As usual. <laughs> he is usually Jared. Hi, uh, hey Jared, how, how are you usually doing? Y- how, am I, how, how am I usually doing? Oh, no, man. how are you doing right now? Did, oh, okay, that's, <laughs> that's a better question. Good, doing pretty good. Excellent, excellent. Back from your vacation? Yeah, I went out of town for a wedding, uh, so it was it was nice. Um, nothing too crazy, but it was nice to you know just see some people and you know get away for a little while. But yep, I'm back now, and uh, yeah, things are good so far. Wonderful. I can't wait until they're no longer good, which will be inevitable. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. The Hoover Dam had a detonation today. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's fine. It's it's overall fine. But, you know, just like, oh, the Hoover Dam. All right. A lot of Fallout New Vegas jokes going around. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah. Uh, terrific. Terrific. I... Uh, I has in the last couple of weeks have started actually listening to podcasts and learning <laughs> what real podcasts sound like. Only after what, like two years of doing one? <laughs> Only. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, nice. <laughs> oops. Oh well, I'm sure nobody listening would would have been able to notice. Would have been able to notice that I don't understand the basic concepts of podcasts. Yeah, no one would have any, understand any idea. <laughs> well, good, good. What a relief! So we're uh, we're, we're expecting a um, a massive spike in the quality of the podcast now. Is what you're trying to say? Gosh, gosh. You know, <laughs> now part you have of no me, excuse. <laughs> part of me did realize that there should probably be that. Part of me was like, oh. Oh, I'm like so. I was saying before, but they're like book reports. A mm-hmm. podcast is like a book report, and then someone else chimes in once in a while. And I didn't understand that that was the structure of podcasts. So, um, you know, maybe we'll start doing book reports soon. You know, Matt last week, Matt came on and he had some stuff he wanted to talk about. And so maybe I was thinking about appealing to more devolver people. Like maybe they have something specific they want to talk about. Um, you know, and we can like do some research on topics and stuff like that, like game jams and how game jams work, like stuff, you know, kind of relevant to, to video games and all that stuff. Um, we'll find out if that happens. Yeah, that could be cool. I think that could be neat. It could be neat. It could be neat. Well, what are we, what are we doing this week though? What the hell are we supposed to do now? We didn't plan. This week (laughs) we're going to do the tried and true method of a semi-professional podcast that doesn't require us to do a book report. And that is to... Now, first of all, I think our guest's experience is better than a lot of podcasts. Because apparently podcasts, they have a guest on, and then the host just does their usual book report, and the guest just chimes in once in a while. Uh, And that that doesn't seem to be getting the most out of a guest, if you ask me. Doesn't seem like fun. Uh, no, it doesn't seem like fun. So we're going to do our method. We're going to have a dev on, probably someone from one of our our upcoming games or some people can play now. Something something good, one of the good games. Um, you know, and we'll just talk to them about the way that the game came about and what it's like at their studio and what they love about this stuff and all that stuff. And that way it's informative for people. Um, you know, but, you know, we don't have to write a book report. I think that sounds like a great plan. Let's do it. 
All right, let's do it. Then, um, from the depths of, of Australia, I summon the Joshua Sanderson. <laughs> oh, hey, Josh. <laughs> what, what is happening? What is going on? We needed a guest, to... so we, we, we pulled you out of the abyss that is Australia. That <laughs> is Australia. Oh, so that's, that's what happened. Well, it is weird that everything's Dude. upside down here. Yeah. <laughs> Good morning. Or evening. <laughs> well, it feels like morning to me. Nice. <laughs> well, uh, hi, Josh. So Josh is from WIBY, the creators of... Phantom Abyss. Yeah, sweet. You're going to add the echo in post? I did the echo. I put my hands over my mouth and created like an echo effect. <laughs> okay. Did that, not, did that not come across? <laughs> I thought you were just doing like an old-timey <laughs> radio effect. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, how you doing, man? Yeah, yeah, going all right. We are in the polishing phase at the moment. Just trying to make everything feel nice and smooth and iron out as many bugs as possible. Nice, nice. So for anybody who doesn't already know, Phantom Abyss is in early access right now. Josh is working on the next update. Does it have a name, this update? Uh, it does, but I've just been calling it the uh, Game Pass update. The Game Pass update? <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> is that, what does that mean? Oh, I feel like it's already really cryptic, so I'm going to have to do a lot to explain it. Sure. Uh, no, the, the game has been out in early access on Steam for just over a year now. Um, it celebrated its one-year anniversary on the 22nd of June. And, Woo. yeah, we have had quite spent quite a while getting the game ready to go to Xbox Game Pass. Is it going to Game Pass with this next update? Or Yeah. Yeah, it is. That's why it's called the Game Pass Update. But still in early Haven't access, you've been you listening. Do that? <laughs> yeah, I've been listening. I think it puts us in a special place on Game Pass. It would put us in Xbox Game Pass Game Preview. Oh, I did cool. not know that was a thing. Yeah, so I don't think there are many games in there at the moment, but we might be one of them. Oh, that's terrific! Oh, that's cr- that's great. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, anything that will surface you in the algorithm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and the way that Phantom Abyss works, again, for anyone who doesn't already know, Phantom Abyss is uh, a temple runner. You are uh, an Indiana Jones-esque adventurer traveling through ancient, uh, randomly generated temples, and you're seeking great treasure at the end. you got to avoid the guardians and all that stuff. But what makes it interesting, well, beyond the basics... Uh, is it's asynchronous multiplayer, and every time you play, you will see the ghosts of other players who have tried and failed uh, to defeat the exact same uh, temple complex that you are trying to trying to rob of its treasures. And also, Brianna. also those um, they're not just like you don't just see the ghosts; they're phantoms. They will affect the world uh, as you play. So if yes. there are traps that can be triggered by proximity um, and one of the phantoms goes near them, they will trigger. That could be helpful 
it could be dangerous. <laughs> Most of the time, it's helpful. Yeah. <laughs> and you can see if uh, they peel, the phantoms peel off in different directions, you'll maybe have hints about better routes to take through, um, or you might find out where secrets are without having to scout a place yourself because you can benefit from the knowledge of previous players. That's what I like the best, is when I see a phantom go someplace I didn't know you could go, and I'm like, oh, hey, treasure. Because <laughs> oh, there's lots of treasure. We've made so many more uses, well, at least a couple more uses for treasure. Um, nice. So our current players will have stored up quite a cache of keys, um, which are one of our in-game... Um, collectibles because we hadn't given them enough places to spend them but mm -hmm. uh, in the new update we have added a way to spend them and that makes you more powerful during a run yeah but Josh you're the oh go on oh it did come at the cost of um, we took away uh, a permanent power up <laughs> if there's one thing that early access crowds love is when you take away a permanent power-up that they're used to. <laughs> but, see, the thing is, we're expecting a lot of new players from mm -hmm. the Game Pass. Um, so we're hoping that the majority of players won't know what they're missing. Um, but also... You, the the heights of power that can be attained are higher, but the base nice. but the baseline is slightly lower. Nice. Yeah. So Josh, you're the head programmer over at WIBY, correct? Or do you lead programmer? Uh, yeah. Lord. I only program using heads. So I don't have keyboard. I just have like many heads, and I tap on them. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Head, head programmer. Okay. Yeah, got it. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, you, you tap on their head, and then someone else has to do the, the work." No, it's like uh, it's like a very large keyboard, only made of heads. Of human heads. <laughs> Australia is a wild country. Uh, so how many how many folks are on the team? How did y'all get together? And then how did you get into you know making games? What's the history of everything involved here? So a very long time ago. When the, the world or the, the universe was just condensed. No, no, after that. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I uh, worked with the two other founders of this company at um, Halfbrick a long time ago. That company may or may not ring a bell. Maybe Fruit Ninja will ring a bell. That's um, their biggest hit. Um, We've worked on that and many other titles at that studio, and then we decided to strike out on our own. Um, so there was the three of us and one other um, developer who made a game. We left and made a game called Mr. Shifty that was released in 2017. 
and Mr. Shippy? Shifty. Shifty, Mr. Shifty. Yes, it's a top-down action brawler about a teleporting secret agent. Hell yeah. Yeah, it's a good good uh, arcadey fun. Um, nice. Yeah, and that one went well, but it wasn't didn't, you know, set uh, set the world on fire. Uh, so one of the people we were working with decided it was time for something less stressful than game development and better paying than game development. Um, <laughs> so he left um, for a corporate job and then the three of us decided to have another go at it. Um, so that's me and uh, Ben Marinen and Monse Asher. That covers programming with me, design with Ben and art with Motse. So we are mm. have you know the three major um, major categories covered, and we uh, quickly hired a part-time sound person because I don't want to make it sound like sounds not important because it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, then we made a prototype. For what, well, we spent some time figuring out what we wanted to make. Actually, Ben um, Ben did some analysis of what was popular at the time um, and kind of some things that he wanted to make. And he had an idea of some things that we wanted to make. And he came to us with the idea, the basic outline of what was then called Will It Be You? Mm-hmm which is where uh, the W-I-D-Y comes from. Um, so Will It Be You was the working title for the project, and that's because the it was based on the same concept as a, a battle royale, essentially, um, where only one person will win, so the name was Will It Be You. Only one adventurer will claim the relic of this temple. Will it be you? Yes, yes. But also, then many people asked us, hey, is that the name of that Chinese dating show? (laughs) Is is that the name of the Chinese dating show? I think the Chinese dating show is called Are You the One? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, But it was... Close enough that a bunch of people did ask us that. <laughs> <laughs> and not a lot of dating in this game, unfortunately. I, I do I do envy um, old um, old Zagreus in Hades on that front. Oh yeah. 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 That that that's a roguelike that has more dating than else. Yeah, it does. There's <laughs> oh, always the next update. <laughs> we don't have um, a, a cast of uh, living human characters to really. Yeah, it sounds like you got to get to work, dude. It sounds like you got <laughs> got a lot of stuff you got to get done. <laughs> well, there's the Temple Guardians. You could date uh, the Devouring Rage. That could be hot. <laughs> Uh, yeah, hot, I guess. 
<laughs> An Evening with the Masked Defiler. <laughs> I think I saw that movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Was it was it <laughs> a uh, was it a movie or was it one of those trashy romance novels? <laughs> An evening with the masked defiler. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, Eye of Agony is a tough name to take onto a dating site. <laughs> Hi, I'm the Eye of Agony. Yeah, uh, so those are the those are the names of our three current um, temple guardians. Um, hear the the sneaky allusion to more in that, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and yeah. So as you're playing the, the game, those are three enemies essentially that will chase you through the dungeon to try to stop you from collecting the relic. And they all have different powers, and all have different strategies that you need to employ to get around them. Now. One thing that's, you know, important to know about this game for, and again, anyone who hasn't played it, is it's not a combat game. You have a whip, and you mostly use that to grapple onto surfaces and launch yourself to where you want to go. Um, but you don't really fight with it. You can you can stun some enemies with it, uh, but it's mostly a game about, like, locomotion, about moving, about getting into and out of places, kind of solving spatial reasoning puzzles and that kind of thing. And not panicking. Not panicking when you see that the ceiling is coming down towards the floor and that there are several idols uh, getting ready to fire darts at you and stuff like that. Yeah, don't panic. It's fine. It's fine. What, what, what's the worst that can happen? You, you die? That's, that's fine. You die. Yeah. You die. And you have to start over. Yeah. Is, is that a problem? I mean, I mean, yeah. <laughs> you don't want to die in a game. It sucks. Uh, so, I will, I will tell you that I'm acutely aware of that, because, um, essentially, our current game is, as it is on early access, is pretty hardcore. Um, yeah. And it's, players don't seem, well, we have... Some players who get in and get hooked and stay around for a long time. Um, But they seem to be the kind of players who are willing to go through a difficult time at the beginning to get better. Yeah. Uh, So the game is not retaining as many players as it potentially could if we had an easier time at the beginning to skill people up, to get yeah. get them to a point where the temple difficulty is right for them. Because the way that the dungeons have to work is if they're the same thing for all players, um, we can't really make the dungeons match the player uh, in the sense that the difficulty of the dungeon has to be hard enough for the players who are good, but also Mm -hmm. easy enough for the players who are new. And that's not Mm -hmm. really a calculation that can be solved. Yeah. Um, So in our infinite wisdom, we decided to add two new game modes. (laughs) Easy. So easy. You hear that budding devs just add two more game modes. (laughs) 
Um, so what we have there currently is going to be called classic mode. And what we are adding is adventure mode, which will become the main mode. That's the one that will reveal the story mostly. And that's the one that will uh, have dungeons that are tailored to the players rather than asking the players to get good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then the other one is daily mode, which has a set difficulty like classic mode does, but you, it comes with the bonus that you can try it as many times as you want for the day. Nice. So people who want to rote learn a dungeon can, but the other modes don't allow rote learning of a dungeon. Right. So yeah, once you died in a dungeon in the normal modes, you can never go back and try it again. It's lost to you. Yeah, you get one attempt at an unknown, uh, unseen combination. Uh, yeah. As opposed to daily mode, where it is a set combination for the day. Nice. Yeah, that, I mean, that's such a good game. It's so exciting, like going in every time and just really not knowing what's coming and you know i've played a lot but you, you and so you start to get you know familiar with some rooms but i'm not super great at the memorization of like what all the rooms look like and i also have not gotten through the whole game so i'm still finding new places to it's thrilling you know and you get that one chance to get through and that's you know that's what i was saying you know why is it so bad that you die well <laughs> you die you don't get to try it again um, so it's exciting that there's new versions that you've got coming out for that. And also easier modes for me. <laughs> Especially for you. Thanks. <laughs> I'm not that bad. I'm normal. I'm, I think, I, I assume I'm normalish good at the game, right? Uh, so medium do, good? do you get to cabins very often? Yeah. And I've beaten the caverns once. Oh, that sounds very medium. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like I said, yes. we have a lot of players who drop off before they, they you know, even defeat the, um, the ruins. So, yeah, um, we're trying to fix that up. Make sure, nice, make nice. sure that players uh, have the right amount of skill before we let them into classic mode um, and to skill them up uh, a lot better at the start. We've reworked the tutorial, so it's much more... Um, much more in depth, but it that doesn't mean that it's much more handholdy. It's not um, it's not going to get too much in your way. But we're teaching how to play the game up front much much better than we were before. Before it was a pretty bare bones tutorial <laughs> that was pretty much this is how you move. Uh, this is uh, you know get to the end, grab a and idle and that's about it that's all we taught um now we teach a lot more and there's a um like a help menu in the pause menu that you can always go in and click on and see all of the tutorial things that you've you've collected so far oh it's wonderful yeah it's a lot more accessible oh nice. and we had a controller rumble Ooh, controller rumble. Yeah. <laughs> I need that keyboard and mouse rumble is what I need. Uh, yeah, I was thinking about that. Um, I had a, a, a Google out of curiosity 
about whether they had anyone had made such things the mad idea of putting um, force feedback in a keyboard or, or a mouse. And one of the first things that comes up, um, you know, is it's mostly discussion boards about it. Um, <laughs> and they they say, hey, you know that that sound that your phone makes when it's on vibrate when you leave it on a table and it's ringing? <laughs> Do you, yep. Is that the sound you want your keyboard to make all the time? <laughs> <laughs> And I thought it would—I yeah. thought it would be actually pretty dumb, cool, to have a mouse that had force feedback. So if you were playing a shooter and you you fired, it would have different kickback according to um, like what kind of weapon you were using, whether it was suppressed. That, yeah, but see, that would be cool. It would be cool, but people would hate it. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, it would be cool. Jared likes, Jared plays a lot of games where, like, they simulate the guns very well, so I feel like having the uh, the recoil in the mouse. That would be... Jared, what do you think? That would be so fucking trippy. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like, instead of screen shake, it, like, shakes your mouse, and it's just a matter of you having to hold it steady. Yeah, so then, yeah, if, you're, um, if you were firing the, the big... Heavy uh, sniper rifle or whatever that has a lot of kickback. You would have to drag the mouse back down to <laughs> to where it needs to be. Oh, that'd be hilarious! Yeah. But I was a also thinking, and your mouse just like jumps off to <laughs> jumps <laughs> off your desk. Yeah, but it also would mean that you'd have to play an invert for it to make sense. So you know. That, that kills it. That alone kills it. Nobody, yeah. nobody plays an invert. No, not on a mouse. Mm-mm. There are a couple games that make you switch invert for both at the same time, which I don't understand, because I'm invert on a controller, but not on a mouse. Oh, so you're only half um, wrong. Uh, yeah, no, I'm working on my mouse game. But, yeah. <laughs> Uh, you'd mentioned, um, that in the, in the other mode, there's going to be story and stuff like that. Mm. Uh, and I kind of wanted to just give you a chance to talk about, uh, the lore that already exists in the game and what's cool about going on there. Oh, okay. So, uh, when you're dropped into the abyss, you get to meet the, the main, the main story character, um, who is an ancient being who appears to be locked and trapped in the abyss. Um, and he tells you that um, now you're trapped here too, and that you are trying to collect the relics so that he can have enough power to escape. And he promises that will mean your escape as well. Um, so you're going through the game and you can also find, um, writing on various places throughout the, the game, some on the traps, some on walls in poetry, some just on some decorations. There's one really obvious one on the doors that, um, is just 
an icon that you might guess probably means something like door. Um, <laughs> and yeah, there's a whole ancient language that tells a story in the game. But, you know, we don't expect the majority of players to decipher an ancient language. Um, that said, there has been uh, a pretty impressive community effort by a bunch of dedicated people to translate the ancient language that exists in the game. And there's uh, a whole channel in our Discord about it, and they've, they've made some pretty impressive tools to translate the, the, the poetry and stories. <laughs> I just think that's so cool. Yeah, no actually, so many video game players, man, and their dedication to deciphering lore. <laughs> yeah, we had um, some actual um, cryptographers and um, and linguists uh, who were in that channel having fun with it. Um, at one point, one of them corrected the grammar on one of the pieces of text, pieces of lore text um, in the language. And our um, our person in charge of the law and the language um, found that quite funny that his grammar was being corrected by one of the fans. <laughs> uh, that's Alex, isn't it? Yeah, that's Alex. And he's made the official decree that, uh, or he's made the decree that the official translation of all of the. Uh, of all the, the runes and symbols will be whatever the fans decide it means? Yeah, that's pretty much it. He's um, said that the, the fan translations are the canon translations. We don't ever plan on releasing what we thought the symbols meant. Um, so it's much more like real archaeology in that sense, in that you can never know yeah. for sure um, but you can see if the community can figure it out. <laughs> Love that. Yeah, it's pretty fun. Um, it's, it's, it's been interesting because a couple of times we thought, well, I mean, maybe there's more of the community who we can bring into the law by giving them something more integrated into the game, to, more integrated into the core of the game that would be more explicit about what the characters mean or being able to put a lens over your over your screen to, to be able to turn the um the poems back into you know whatever the user's language native language is but then nice. we're kind of giving giving up part of that community translation unless we're using the community translation, which means that it has to be <laughs> dynamic, it gets a lot more complicated very quickly. Yeah. Are there... I mean, I haven't gotten through, like, all the way through, like, Inferno or anything like that, which is the last current zone in the game. Mm -hmm. But are there are there places where there's, like, doors that have, like, writing above them and you've got to pick a door or something like that? Like, one of them says room of death and one of them says room of treasure or something <laughs> um we should do more of that but we don't we're not doing much of that 
at the moment where there are places where the language is used to tell you what something is. Um, but often it will be, you learn what it is by interacting with it and then figure out what the symbol means. Um, yeah. And then maybe next time you see the symbol, you'll have a hint. Nice. Yeah. Um, so that's the story as it is. Um, and in the new, uh, the next update, there are there is a lot more to that. Um, I'm not sure whether we've given... No, I don't think we've given them anything yet. Um, but... Um, there's a new non-player character um, who you will see in the hub, which is the area you return to between runs. Um, and I think she appears in some other places as well. Um, and yeah, her name is Una, and she appears to be trapped in the abyss as well and you can kind of listen in on what she's thinking and saying to herself um, to get some more understanding of what's going on in the world cool very cool and so there is there's a there's so i guess there hasn't been a narrative so far but with this next update there's the introduction of, of kind of a narrative yeah well it's another aspect of the narrative it's a it's a more um more directly controlled by the player and delivered in a in a language that the player natively understands. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Got it right. Yeah. Uh, nice. Nice. Yeah, it's a big factor to accessibility of the story is delivering it in a language that they understand. Yeah. Instead of instead of inventing your own language to tell the story through, <laughs> that then obligate the players to translate it themselves. Uh, <laughs> Democratization of localization of text. <laughs> yes. I actually have friends who um, had regular games who did that. So, I mean, you laugh, but it's a thing that sometimes happens. Sure. I mean, uh, Dropsy is a game that communicates entirely through symbols as well. Oh, yeah. I'll have to get around to playing that one. It's good. Yeah, it seems, it's good. It seems pretty cute. Yeah. As cute as clowns can be. I mean, in a gross way, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard for me to know kind of what to talk about and what to ask about about Phantom Abyss because we do, uh, every other Thursday on the Devolver Twitch channel, we do a thing called Ask the Abyss where we have a team member from WIBY come on and I play the game while they answer questions from the... Uh, from the Phantom Abyss Discord. And actually, that does remind me of a question I wanted to ask. Uh, what has the experience been like being in early access for a year and, you know, having a back and forth with a community? Like, how, is, how has that been for you? Um, getting the feedback has been really valuable for us to figure out what's working and what's not. Um, it's so exciting to have people who are playing the game and excited about it. And it's also... Uh, an extra amount of work to stay on top of a discord or any other kinds of feedback mechanisms because yeah first we're, we're a small team um, there's you know the three of us who are the the um, 
founders and then we're at seven full time. Um, We have uh, Mr. Winters doing community management for us now, but we didn't have that for a long time. So it was us trying to stretch ourselves across all of the game development plus all of the business requirements and legal requirements and um, then all of the media and social and communicative requirements. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's a lot of things. It's a great, but it's a lot of things. Um, yeah. And it's been generally positive, um, even at the start when there were more network problems than there are now um, because we put in a bunch of um, a bunch of robust checks and catches so that when people's internet connections fail, um, the game can recover uh, as long as the internet connection is restored. Um, that, nice. That we didn't have at first and I didn't quite appreciate the diversity of internet connections that might be trying to use the game. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, there, there were people who were getting errors pretty frequently um, that we wouldn't see at all that were essentially the connection failed at some point and wasn't recovered on like a protocol level. Um, so the game had to handle that and yeah now it, mm. it does a bunch of automatic retries and then if those don't work it gives the user a, a chance to fix it up themselves and then try again and it only fails out if um it sends back a critical error code um or the user says to give up so anyway that was a long tangent um about how internet connections are a, a real thing that took up a, a lot of my life <laughs> well, that's, I mean, it, it, that it's, that, I mean, good job solving that problem. Uh, but also, you know, that does, that's kind of a nice thing about Phantom Abyss. So I assume like when you start a level, it, it downloads all the Phantom's actions before you start playing the level, right? Yes. That's so, the beauty of it being asynchronous yeah. is we know, like, it's only generally one user at a time. Um, so... We, da- we download everything at the start um, of the run, and um, we can be sure that um, everything's downloaded and ready to go. Nice. So for someone who doesn't have a stable internet connection, this could actually be a way to play a multiplayer game. I feel like they, they wouldn't be able to do more act, like action-y games if they don't have a solid internet connection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it should feel like there are, you know players around you because they are real human players and it's a recording of what they did they will do yeah all the strangeness that you get from real humans um yep and yeah if, if you disconnect during the run that's generally going to be okay you don't need to have stability constant stability the whole time you only need uh stability for the major transmission points um, yeah. which is, you know, the start and end of a run or of a floor. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So it's been great. Um, we've only had really one update that was, um, 
pretty negative on the feedback. And that was coincidentally an update where we took away some powers. <laughs> um, I mean, double jump is essential. Yeah, well, I mean, we didn't even take it away. We just made you think. <laughs> we just made you think about rationing it and made it so that you couldn't use it all the time. But yeah, uh, that was received pretty intensely negatively, um, yeah. which is interesting when you think you you look at it from. Um, how we have previously done games is we would do a play test on people who have not played the game before and we would go, here's this system and if the system started with these powers are gated behind, these abilities are gated behind being rationed. Um, the feedback to them being gated behind something that causes you to ration them would be, oh, you know, I would like it if I could do this all the time, but I, I understand that you don't want me to do that all the time. So I, I get it. Um, and I will look for more ways to increase the number of times I can use it in the game or, and I'll be smarter, smarter about using it. That's, but the, what is it? The, is it loss aversion, the psychological, um, psychological oh, okay. uh, feature in human brains. Um, that sounds like a good term for it. Yeah, where we feel the loss of something that we have much more intensely than um, we feel the, the addition of something new. <laughs> right. So because early access is different to the traditional model where you would get playtesters in who hadn't played before, because these are people who um, you know, have played a lot before and have paid money for it, um, mm -hmm. then the, the reaction is quite different because now we're not just changing the design um, in an abstract sense. We are actually taking something away from people who are used to having it. And that is a very different psychological reaction. Yeah, not a fan of that. <laughs> oh, and it's a big change too. Like, I mean, it, it. I mean, the game had already been out, or had been in early access for what, like nine months or something like that by that point, and a lot of people had already been playing it and used to it being a certain way. So I can see like them getting into a game, and you know, for them the shock was probably, you know, it was, it was probably a lot. But um, I do like what y'all have been doing with the way that you're doing the new systems, and I'm looking forward to the. Uh, the game pass update because it sounds like you're adding a lot of really cool stuff to the whips we haven't even talked about i mean that you can customize the whips and the whips have different abilities and stuff like that and there's all kinds of power-ups don't learn it now though because it's about to change <laughs> <laughs> um it is about to change but it's about to be better um yeah we're having the um the players so Currently, you you can you can unlock the whips and then you can um, charge them up essentially. Um, but in the new version, uh, we're making it so that 
you don't charge them up. You unlock. You just unlock the extra skins for them by mm-hmm. by completing runs with them of of adequate difficulty, mm-hmm. and then. Um, during a run, you can find a different kind of shrine to the ones that you can currently find. The, cur- the ones you can currently find we're calling blessing shrines. They give you a certain set of blessings, um, including double jump or um, soul armor or, um, or a- extra health. Yeah. Long whip. Yes, or the long whip. Um, but those blessing shrines can't give you the powers that you can get from whips because each whip has an has a unique identifying power on it right yeah um so some of them will make you immune to lava or uh, even better than that um you stand in lava and it heals you as long as you have coins to spend um sweet so those kind of powers um, can be acquired from a power shrine during a run now. Nice. Yeah, but they only get unlocked as you unlock the whips. So you have to unlock the whips to add the powers to the, the pool that will be available at a power shrine. Sweet. And you spend keys to unlock those. So there's your, your reason to, to use all those keys that you've been collecting. Nice. Yeah. Um, but also, whips come with a positive and negative, positive and negative ability. Um, there is no longer, there is no way to remove the negative ability permanently. Um, but in each run, you can find a power shrine which may have um, remove curse as one of the things you can buy for the run. Sweet. Yeah. So you see what I mean when I said the heights of power are much higher, but um, yeah. the baseline is lower. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. That's good. That's a lot. That's I mean, that's more customiz- customizability, customizability, customization. Yeah. Customizability for a run. All of those words, I believe, are real words, yes. <laughs> and each of them more powerful than the last. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, I mean, that's more roguelike, right? Or roguelite. Yeah. Like in the traditional sense. Here's, a, here's, a, here's an anecdote that um, I, I have told a few times. We didn't realize we were making a roguelike for like three months or more. Really? Yeah. <laughs> We had to design and do like, oh, it's this game where you play procedurally generated things and um, you see the, the ghosts of everyone else who tried before you. And um, like the, the way that the game plays every time will be different. But um, <laughs> it just didn't, it didn't click that we were making a roguelike. Yeah. And then one day I just came in and we were talking about some other games that might be similar. And then I was like, these are all roguelikes. <laughs> we're, we're making a roguelike. Did you know we're making a roguelike? <laughs> oh, who? Yeah. So, nice. Um, 
Yeah, it's funny. It was constructed out of individual mechanics and ideas um, rather than constructed as um, part of the genre. So it's funny how those things happen. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, because our original idea, the thought process came from, um, you know what's really popular right now? Battle Royales. You know what we shouldn't make? A Battle Royale. (laughs) Uh, Because by the time that we make a game that is a Battle Royale, and considering that, you know, where we were three people on a shoestring budget, um, we couldn't compete on quality and size against the um, the current roguelikes, uh, current battle royales at the time in 2018. Let alone um, whatever it would, we figured it would take what what two years to make the game. It took three, um, yeah. and that was three before early access. <laughs> um, so we decided that we didn't want to do a battle royale but we took a bunch of the concepts of battle royale which is where the phantoms came from essentially it's like what's yeah. what's the game that you play um while your friends aren't online but you can still interact with your friends yeah that was that was the train of thought that led us to where we are um and like oh in a battle royale like it's you play a different like the round is different every time uh but in a battle royale the map is the same every time but that didn't make sense for us so we said well the map the map is different every time and we've inadvertently created a roguelike without thinking about it as a roguelike a roguelite royale (laughs) i guess you could say that I mean, just because, I mean, it is, so, the way the game is set up now, again, for anyone who doesn't know, there are different, what, do you call them biomes, or what do you call, what do y'all call them? Uh, we just call, Zones? we just call them the different areas. The areas? Yeah. So, you start off in the ruins, which are very, um, I don't know, temple-like, uh, there's a lot of art on the walls, and then you go into the caverns, which are more caves, and there are some ruins there, but they're pretty trashed. And then after that is Inferno, which I remember seeing in an earlier, easier version of the game. A <laughs> uh, long time ago. Uh, no, I think I got to Inferno recently and, and died almost instantly. Uh, and Inferno is very, very difficult. And, of course, there's lava everywhere. You'd mentioned the lava. So if someone goes through and they beat all three zones and they take the relic from Inferno uh, or the new zone that will appear in the next update... That closes all of the paths before it and closes that temple from the world. Yes. That's the Battle Royale that's, component. That's the Battle Royale component, yeah. Yeah, it used to be... Uh, during development, we actually didn't have the early out options. Um, in uh, the ruins and caverns, there are early out options. You can decide that uh, you don't have enough health or skill or fortitude to make it through the next area um, at the penultimate floor of the current area um, and decide that you want to take a relic from the ruins instead or take a relic from the caverns instead. Um, that, yeah. that wasn't originally there. Originally, you had to make it all the way through. 
and that was the only Brutal. only time you were rewarded. Um, so, yeah, that was too difficult, essentially. Play, nobody was succeeding, um, but it had to remain as difficult as it was because when players get good, then they need it to be that difficulty. And you see that... And the people that are good at this game are stupid good. Oh, they are. Like... It's amazing what people can just be good at. Like, human beings. Weird. Uh, and there's just so many... Like, I'm just thinking, like, in re like in the world, but, you know, and then when someone focuses on a video game, they can just get really good at it and, like, just understand it, like, on, on a frame rate level. Totally. They have... Um, they figured out one of the bugs in Unreal that I'm not really interested in fixing because I'm not really interested in... <laughs> fixing the uh, internals of the engine. Um, it's uh, They call it ledge boosting. I think it's available in a, in a lot of Unreal games, um, where essentially if you get the frame timing right and the positioning right, you can use the, um, the collision detection pushing you out of a corner of a, of a ledge to increase your velocity to make you jump further. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yep. Yeah, and they really like that one, and they're constantly worried that I'm going to fix it because I do like to fix bugs. I don't like to leave exploits in, and I know that certain players, certain speedrunners, etc., do like to if they find exploits and bugs to hang on to them. But I'm not here. Mm -hmm. I'm not here to make a buggy game. I'm here to make a <laughs> uh, a game that's not buggy. And if you want more movement options tell me you want more movement options and we'll prioritize that as um as a feature rather than relying on a bunch of bugs <laughs> um, but yeah there, there are people who can go into any classic mode temple with you know we only start players with one heart in classic mode um which means one one hit generally there are some traps yeah. that do half a heart and if you fall from it also has fall damage um but also has a way a skill mechanic to negate fall damage yeah. um but if you miss the the um the roll the landing roll um from a certain height you might also take half a heart instead of a full heart um but generally one heart will only grant you protection from one mistake um yeah and you can collect the essence of fallen players uh to increase your health so dungeons get easier the more players die in them yeah i do keep forgetting about that change when i play now like i i'll still hop in and be like oh yeah i can take three hits like like i don't think about it it's just like in my brain, I don't even look at my hearts. I'm starting the game. I've got three hits. And then I get hit once and I die and I go, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah that's a... I'm making the game easier for the next person. You certainly are. Because it only takes one, one essence to get the second heart. Uh, yep. And then it slows down. Then it's like two more to get the next heart, etc. Yeah. Um, but there are players who go in and on their first attempt with one heart will get to the end pretty pretty reliably. Um, so the, one of the other mechanics of 
Well, like you said, the mechanic of Phantom Abyss is that when someone gets to the end, it closes the, the thing for everyone, which erases all the ghosts, which you, like tweaks the difficulty back up. Yeah. So we thought we'd created this um, perfect self-balancing system, um, but it's, it's really difficult to get it so that there are enough phantoms in there that um, it's interesting to interact with them. Mm-hmm. And also there's enough health to collect. Um, and also people don't succeed too much. Um, so yeah, it, it's a, it's a real tough out balancing act. You know what I would suggest adding a couple different game modes. Oh yeah. You think? I do. I do. I've been talking to this guy I know in Australia, and he's adding game modes all the time, and it seems to work for his game. <laughs> yeah, uh, so like in, in this other game mode, like it wouldn't close when someone beats it? Yeah. Ah. You know what? That, that, yeah. that might solve one of those problems. Here to help. Because then you'd get lots of ghosts. Lots of ghosts. Yeah. That's pretty good. You know, I don't think about that one. <laughs> um, so we're at about at the at the end of our of our time. Uh, do you have where can folks find the game? Where can they find the Discord and all that good stuff? Uh, so the game is available on Steam at the moment. It's called Phantom Abyss. Um, you should be able to find it. You search for Phantom Abyss. Um, there's also a <laughs> Discord that you can join. Um, that's the Phantom Abyss Discord. Uh, I'm not. Sure. I think it's. I'm not even. Discord. Discord.gg slash Phantom Abyss. Yeah, that's the one. That's the one. It's like you've done that before. It's like I've done that before. <laughs> yeah. So as I mentioned earlier, uh, the WIBY team and I get together every. Every other Thursday at 5.30 p.m. Pacific to answer questions from the Phantom Abyss Discord. So if you decide you like the game, if you check out the community and you want to ask questions about where it's going or where it's been or what's going on about it, you can go to discord.gg slash Phantom Abyss and do those things. Yeah, and I might even answer some of your questions. He might. He's pretty good at it. Yeah, I end up being the one on the on the um ask the abyss pretty regularly (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) because we're all so busy send the programmer he doesn't do anything oh not at all don't you know that's tapping on heads all day games just games just make themselves these days you just get unreal and you put the assets in and it's done yeah you just need a designer and an artist (laughs) we got ai generated art now when are we going to get AI generated? That's true. <laughs> like code or something. It just games make themselves. Oh, man. <laughs> we are all getting replaced. <laughs> uh, I I don't... Like, the, the scary, scary stuff that those AI-generated art things make, uh, I don't even want to contemplate how strange the games that that would come up with. <laughs> would be <laughs> oh god oh god it would, oh. there would be waking nightmares yeah 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 some of that art i mean yeah some of that art is 
so freaky. Like you're like, that's an eye. And you're like, no, that's not an eye. It's like a thing that makes my brain think it's an eye, but it's not an eye. You know, or like, it's so weird. Yeah, pareidolia. Uh, pareidolia to you too. Uh, <laughs> I don't know all the Australian words. <laughs> that's that's the that's the thing where humans see faces. Oh yeah, yeah. But uh, but I mean, with the art, like it's also things like like a railing. You're like, you know, this is where a stair railing would be, and there's like something that imprints the shape of a stair railing, but it's not. <laughs> like it's not actually a drawing of stair railing. It's just something that you know. It's yeah, as well. But yeah, games made by them. Well, then there's also that Unreal has those like fake people now. The me- meta humans. The meta humans. So Unreal's got meta humans, and then they've got sophisticated chatbots that are smart enough to trick the guy whose job is to, you know, run them into thinking that they're sentient. Oh yeah. Uh, that guy. It's like, dude, it's just an algorithm. Like. <laughs> yeah, it's like it, it was. It was like it was like. It was like a man falling in love with his own echo. <laughs> like, he's like, are you sentient? Yes, I'm sentient. Oh, my God, it's sentient. Like, come on. <laughs> it, it has figured out what the word sentient means using the neural network. That doesn't mean it's sentient. Yeah. I mean, it's it's cool. And the conversations he posted are, are I mean, close to human. But, I mean, so, anyway, there's chatbots. You've got the metahumans. I mean, it's just replacing people. Yeah, just uh, type in Battle Royale uh, and Roguelike Roguelike and Indiana Jones, and I'll just make the adjustment. Beautiful. All right. So is the the Xbox uh, Game Pass, is the Game Pass update announced? Is there a release date on that yet? The the release date is not announced. All right. Releasing it on Game Pass with a team in the Ukraine um, is announced. Sweet. Excellent. Jared. Nice. Uh, Jared has recently started uh, a TikTok account at Devolver what? Digital uh, <laughs> and is in charge of our oh. Twitter at devolver digital make sure you say hi to jared <laughs> go to discord.gg slash devolver digital and talk in the forecast chat about jared and uh tune into twitch.tv slash devolver digital every other thursday uh this thursday so when this podcast comes out we're doing a phantom abyss ask the abyss that night uh, and you can watch that and ask questions about jared instagram post pictures of jared if you have them. <laughs> I dare you. <laughs> I, I dare. I dare you. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, thanks for taking the time, Josh. I know you're busy on the, the, the Game Pass update. Uh, thanks for joining the Devolver Digital Forecast. Uh, thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks. Bye. Bye. <laughs>